Welcome everyone, you are listening to the Art of Touring podcast. I am your host, the Sis Dog. How's it going? You alright? Hey, Hanging in there? Man, I had some pretty big news this week. Hey, uh, Some of you may know, uh, friends, listeners, I started at the gym this year. And uh, it's been great. Lost some weight, started to tone up. I get up at uh, 6.30 every morning, get an hour workout in before work. And uh, last week I experienced a little bit of uh, discomfort and I immediately knew what was wrong. So I took myself to the doctors. Lads, always do that. If you've got something sorted out, go to the doctor straight away, which is what I did. Got booked in for an ultrasound. And as I thought, I got a hernia, man. Uh, this is my second one now. Uh, I, so I was all too familiar with this injury. I had my first one about 13 years ago when I was 26, had the operation and, uh, I've been fine ever since, but uh, now I've got another one. So I guess I'm just lucky, but, um, I have another appointment with my doctor tomorrow and he'll be able to tell me, uh, when I need to get it operated on, what the procedure is going to be, um, recovery time, all that. So, uh, lucky I've been doing interviews, uh, twice a week recently, so I should be able to keep rolling out the interviews depending on when I go into surgery. But yeah, um, if you hear me talking a little softer in the coming weeks, uh, you'll know why. Uh, But uh, I had a bit of good news on Sunday. I adopted a new cat. I've got a boy cat, a male cat in the house, full of girls. Finally, another bloke in the house. So his name is Abe. um, And I'm trying to find another name for him, though. Uh, I might keep it as, as Abe for now, but, um, I'm open to suggestions. So if you've got a good boy cat name, hit me up. Uh, this week on the podcast, I caught up with drummer Christian Nativo. It was the first time I've ever interviewed a drummer. I mean, I've had drummers on the show in the past, but as always part of a band, never a one-on-one interview. So a first for Art of Touring and stick around for a brilliant story, uh, from Christian's time spent touring Europe on the tour bus. It is hilarious. Art of Touring is brought to you every single Tuesday. You can listen to Art of Touring on iTunes or the Google Podcasts app on your Android device. And remember, Art of Touring is part of the A Lot of Green podcast network, and you can check out all the other awesome podcasts on their network at www.alotofgreen.com.au. There is some coarse language in this week's episode, so if you are listening with kids, it might be a good idea to throw on Sesame Street. Then once uh, they're dropped off at the playground, throw Art of Touring back on. Now let's take a moment for this week's sponsor. Episode 33 of Art of Touring is brought to you this week by Dad's Garage. Are you trying to put up a painting but realise you don't own a hammer? Ever ran out of petrol for your lawnmower? Tell me, have you ever found yourself in that awkward position at home that you don't even have a ladder to change a light bulb? Then call Dad and head on over to his garage. He'll sort you out. Whether you need a screwdriver or a spare pair of jumper leads, just give Dad a call and ask for help. Dad's Garage, the only place in 2018 you can still see a nudie calendar. <laughs> Just so you know, Art of Turing is hosted by Wooshka. If you'd like to listen on your desktop, you can Google Art of Turing and follow the links to the Wooshka homepage. Before I get into my conversation with Christian Nativo, I'd like to play you a little snippet of one of the tracks that he recorded with the metal band Vanishing Point. The song is called When Truth Lies. Give it a listen. 
Here we go. There's a taste of vanishing point. Now let's get stuck into the conversation with Christian. Welcome to the Art of Touring, everybody. We're sitting uh, in the studio, the Siriani studio now. It's it's become a second home. This is probably about episode six, I believe, um, that I've been able to record in the studio. It's a perfect night for it, too. There's no rain. There's no wine. No wind and rain. <laughs> um, and you, you may hear some birds calling, but that's about it. And we have our very first drummer on the Art of Touring, Christian Nativo. How are you, Christian? Cool. I'm well. Thank you for having me, man. You are First very drummer. welcome. I yes. didn't know that. Awesome. Well, I've interviewed drummers as part of a band before, mm. yep. but never a one-on-one conversation with a drummer. So that that is a first for the Art of Touring. Cool. Happy to be here. Yeah. It's awesome. And I'm 15 minutes down the road. Hey, how uh, good's that? That's uh, freaked me out when that happened. We could talk all night, mate. I know, I know. I'll be home by midnight. It'd be great. <laughs> oh, Brilliant. Um, so I start every podcast with the same question, and that is, um, where are you from and where did you grow up? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm, I'm a Melbourne-based uh, freelance drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in um, for a short time in Brunswick in the northern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, moved. I spent majority of my life in Greensboro, so totally local the whole time, yeah. sort of to us. I've heard some guests um, sort of from the north as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, Greensboro for ages. Grew up in Greensboro, then um, spent about five years in Doreen. And yeah, now I'm Mernda, So, Oh, you moved from Doreen and to Mernda? Yeah, so I was with me folks for uh, about five years when they yep. built that house and yeah, just moved out yeah, on our own and there rest is history. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And so you were born in like the Brunswick area, but then you grew up in Greensboro. Well, actually spent um, with, with uh, me folks, lived with one of, one of me grannies for about a couple of years. So I literally sort of lived in Brunswick as well. Sorry, I should say that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then once me folks sort of got their own house and literally raised their family and that's oh, when we went to Greensboro. So, yeah, right. Yeah. So born in Brunswick and lived there for a little bit with, yeah. with the grannies. Grandparents, I should say. And where'd you go to school? Um, I went to school. Uh, so by that time, we were in Greensboro. So I went to school at Apollo Parkways Primary School. Just Bullshit. near the, Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, near the, that was right near where I grew up. Yeah, Apollo right. Parkways. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a great school. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, high school at uh, St. Helena Secondary College, just down there in Eltham. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, and then yeah, a little bit of tertiary stuff. But yeah, that's where I sort of did all the- All your education. That's, that's where it all started, really. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty cool. And um, when did you start playing the drums? Like as a kid or maybe into the teenage years? When did it start for you? Yeah, the um, so I started in grade five um, and it was pretty much... It was, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit vague. I don't have the best memory, but um, it was pretty much just sort of me, you know, just going to regular music class, like classroom music classes as, yeah. as a grade five. Grade five uh, would have been... You're 10 11, years old. 11, yeah, 10, year, 10, 11 years old. Yeah. And... Um, I don't know. They had they had this blue. Um, it was like a Pearl Maxwin blue drum kit that was just there. And you know, Maxwin, to my knowledge, was like a lesser, uh, you know, a lesser model of Pearl or something to do with that. Anyway. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, I don't know. It just caught my attention, and I'm just like, I don't know. I just kept looking like every like week in week out. I was staring at this drum kit for maybe oh, a month or two. Yeah. And um, coincidentally, there was a um, there was a. Um, loudspeaker announcement one day after school saying that they were going to start offering drum lessons. So, Ooh. you know, so a drum teacher obviously got hired to, you know, come in and um, I, I got a permission slip, took it home to mum and they were actually a little bit apprehensive. So there was about maybe, I don't know if it was maybe six months or so, like there was a while, like my parents just didn't go, oh, you know, like I was very lucky growing up. I had, you know, great opportunities, but there wasn't something that my parents just went, oh, you know, 
okay, go and learn. So yeah, it took yeah. a while of, you know, continually asking. Um, yep. the, drum, the drum teacher had already started by then, so it was going, mm. you know, going ahead. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it started there pretty much, I'd, I'd say, maybe mid-grade five going into the start of grade six. And, yeah. <laughs> and that's when you started. That's when I started. Far out, man. Yep. I, um, I, my first instrument was the drums. Yeah, right. And I was five years old. I don't know why, wow. but I just said to mom, mom, I want to play the drums wow. at five. Yeah, that's, that's and she said, pretty rare. Uh, yeah, Dave, ask me again when you're 10. Yeah. And <laughs> so you know what happened when I was turned 10? You asked Hey, mom, can I play the drums? <laughs> that's, that's And so I did. And I started, I started my, um, music, musical career, I guess, as a, as a young, young fella sure. behind the drum kit. Yeah, wow. Got how, lessons. How long, how long for? I got lessons for about, um, about a year and a bit, I'd say, maybe two years. Yeah, right. At down to Main Street Music, it was yeah, yeah, Justin yeah. Humphreys was my teacher. Ah, I remember that name. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was my teacher, and um, yeah, Mum bought the drum kit, and then my older brother Paul. Whenever I went to my drum lessons, he would be like, "Oh, drums! Yeah, I'll jump on the drums." And so when I came home and I needed to practice, I'd have to kick my older brother off sure, to sure. try to get my practice that's, that's in. You know, kind of cute though. Can, yeah. can, you, can you still jam now? Like if you I had can a kit? keep a beat, man. Yeah. You know, like because yeah. I'm a teacher, I have to kind of swap out on all the instruments, oh, yeah, course, you know, so if there's no drummer in the year level that I'm teaching, I've got to jump on drums. Yeah, very cool. You know, but I'm, you know, like, it's something that I really enjoyed, but when I um, went into high school, all the singers, like, I was the drummer in all the bands, but all the singers couldn't keep in tune. Yeah, And sure. I could always just naturally sing. It just it. came yeah. easy to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, very cool. So I was like, screw it, I'm going to give someone else the drumsticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took the mic, but... Um, it's interesting that we started drumming at very similar ages. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's um, I don't know, like, cause I, I'm I'm a teacher as I'm a t- or not not class, I'm an instrumental teacher, but mm-hmm. I've, you know, and I, I guess we both see many different kids starting at different ages, and I yeah. don't know, it's something about you know, like even for all my private students now, I say um, you know, eight years old minimum, and like I'm pushing it, and it it, yeah. it, it can sound harsh, but I just find that you know, like obviously in our cases. You know, when kids are just a little bit older, almost transitioning just a little bit before high school, even if they're, you know, grade four, for example, mm. I just, I found that, you know, like just kids are just absorbing a little bit better yeah. and they're a bit more focused. So, you know, it's probably a good thing you started at 10 and not five, to be honest. Well, like, you know, at, true, least, yeah. at least for drums, maybe for other instruments, it's easier. Yeah. Um, oh, know, I remember I did like violin. Primary school before I was ten. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Hated it. Yeah, no, that's gnarly. You know, <laughs> I mean? pretty gnarly. It was rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I only did like maybe a term of it, and that was it. Yeah, it's funny though. Just quickly, sorry to harp on it, but like because I, mm. I, I own a performing arts academy as well. I'll talk about it later. But it's um, we've got many kids starting at five, six years old. Not and you know, not on drums, but when they, you know, the parents express interest, and I'm always a bit apprehensive. And obviously, you know, I want to give these kids an opportunity, so I don't say anything. But yeah. I'm very aware that you know. It, even if they wait a few years, it might be better for them. But you know, yeah, you, the I developmental kind that, of thing. You know? Yeah, I know. But well, anyway. you got to make money, but at the same time, you don't want to exploit kids. It's no, like, no, exactly right. Come on, it's... man, they're too young. What are you doing? Yeah. Let them be a kid for a bit, and then you know. I mean, obviously, it's a fun endeavor. Sure. But at the same time, you want. Uh, the kids to actually to be able to absorb the the lesson and, yeah. and take something from it. You yeah, know? you don't want to scar them. You know, like sometimes they start too early, and yeah, even and and you know if they perform too early, that's a whole another you know kettle of fish. But that whole sort of thing, yeah, just being exposed a little too early, it can almost be negative. So I'm, mm. you know, I I keep close tabs on them anyway. But yeah, yeah, a bit of a tangent. But, but the yeah. good thing for you was it wasn't too early. You no, really kind of flourished, and you started yep. playing drums. And yeah, yeah tell us some. Um, 
so that was about 10, 11 years old. Yeah. Did you start playing in the bands like once you got into high school and stuff like that? Um, I, I did. Um, I So, yeah, so basically all through grade six, started with one teacher. Um, and then at that time, I remember I played my, so primary school, I played my um, end of year graduation band. So that, I guess that would have been my first band, actually. Now, I actually forgot about that. So yeah. I've got, vid- I put it on my Insta story a while ago, actually. It was me <laughs> with this crazy undercut. And I was always a bigger kid, so it was kind of you know, a bit pudgy and yeah. this, un- this 90s undercut. And I'm um, playing Christmas carols, like with the whole year level band. So yeah. I guess that's where it kind of started. And then, um, yeah, started at St. Helena, um, and because I'd already been playing, I pretty much went straight to the um, intermediate band. So did okay. the whole concert band thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, intermediate. Didn't have to go into Year Seven band or anything nah, like that. Nah, nah. Yeah. Intermediate. That's pretty yep. cool. I was pretty lucky, and mm. um, and then yeah, just did throughout the whole t- um the whole secondary school thing. Just did the yeah jazz band and concert band. Yep. Um, until I discovered heavy metal. Right. And then- <laughs> And it was all over. Yeah, well, I, conti- I continued to do the, the ensemble bands. program. Yeah. yeah, and then I heard um, Metallica's Black album. It would have been actually around the same time, about year seven. Yeah. And um, changed my life. And wow. it, it's kind of weird because most sort of, um, you know, I, mean, I still like Metallica, but most hardcore fans would start, would have started from the beginning of the whole sure. catalog. But, it, you know, and. The Black Album, you know, as you know, would it like, was like a you know a really bold sort of ninety statement in terms of production. Everything mm. was different to anything, even from Justice. You know, the production was night and day. So for me to start at um, the Black Album in terms of what inspired me, a lot of people freak out about that because sure, yeah, you know, yeah. most people start at the start. You know, from yeah. Kill 'em but, All or whatever. But that's it was. what kind of you know rang true with you at that age. Correct. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd, and people laugh. I literally say it cha- <laughs> changed my life because yeah. once I discovered that I was like whoa and it, you know it was I was a heavy metal drummer for I think it was like I literally sort of moved on from it I just wanted to experience some other stuff but I I yeah. played it for a long time just yeah. heavy heavy stuff <laughs> so did you form your own heavy metal band in school correct yeah and so what was the name of your very first band okay um very first band uh was called aftershock so aftershock. Just weird you know weird yeah, that's first band pretty good that's pretty good man <laughs> and um I've had worse I love that yeah. question and some of them are real bad yeah but yeah. that one's not bad like if I saw that on a on a bill like you know aftershock playing with this band and that band yeah, I'd be like it's yeah that sounds fine you not know? too bad yeah. yeah well the thing is so um, it started off as me and me and my guitarist friend which I'm still like really good friends with today he's a he's a fully qualified classroom teacher and mm. um, and guitar and stuff but it was just me and him as a duo for a while um, and then we teamed up with yeah like a year 11 guitarist like it was quite varied but we had no singer so that whole time at school did not have a singer. Oh, and like, just instrumentals. Yeah, and almost the same as almost the same as your story. I didn't I didn't get off the drums, but I almost started trying to sing at one point because it was right. just like no one else is going to sing, man. So like, yeah. and, you know, we wanted to give it a crack. So yeah. I almost jumped on vocals, and then at you know by that time we were just about ready to graduate. It was all the way through to year twelve. We we're all playing the whole. So you um, were all in the same year level. Uh, well, me and the guitarist were, and obviously like the year eleven guitarist had moved on, but me, oh, okay. me and the guitarist, we almost stayed as a duo after. To that it was kind of oh, weird. Wow. It kind of started as a duo, expanded to a full band, Aftershock, and then we went back to a duo. Yeah, as we we're kind of finishing out our school years, and yeah. But anyway, so that was, uh, but that was cool. Just like heavy, heavy, heavy stuff again. Like every single Metallica song you can think of, we're covering yeah. <laughs> um, to the best of our ability. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, it was kind of weird. Just a quick story. We we 
it went out of school, so we'd go to each other's house to jam as well. Like we were we were serious and <laughs> serious, and um and we kind of had this omen where every time I went to his house to jam with my drum kit, I'd mm. break a cymbal, and every time he came to my house, he'd blow a fuse in his amp. What? It, 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 was, it was I can't explain it, and um <laughs> yeah, like and he he though he him and his dad were really cluey into he had this crazy crazy um. Not like a home, not homemade. Like it was a kit, but it was a ballsy amp. But for yeah. some reason, we'll blow like we'll going loud. It was ah. intense, but anyway. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> well, you're living up to the name aftershock. Correct. You know? Correct. <laughs> like if you didn't have gear problems, it'd absolutely, be, it'd be weird, it'd wouldn't be it? Something else. But anyway, oh, far out, man. That was kind of cool. And so um, you're doing the ensemble program yep. um, at the same time, playing in aftershock with you know members leaving and then staying. Sure. Um, and. Uh, when you left school, did you study music or did you? Yeah, so I, I did the whole um, I did the whole VCE solo music kind of thing. Yeah. So so Year Twelve music and um, what was I, that like behind the drum kit? It was really good. Yeah, yeah I was um, so I, I had some incredible teachers at the time and um, I had a few guys like Sam Aliano and Alex Deegan. But the guy that took me through my VCE syllabus was actually uh, Robbie Parolin, dr- really great drummer, mm. and um. So I actually did the whole like so like not even not vet not group like literally solo. So it was literally you know marching pieces and it, w- it was a really good experience because I wow. at, the, at the same time not to totally contradict myself by that year eleven uh, year year twelve stage I'd actually gotten into jazz fusion as well. So, okay, so I was kind of like this weird hybrid because I was like I had the massive backbeat of a you know typical hacky kind of heavy metal drummer. Sure. But by that stage, I'd started to develop the nuances of a jazz fusion player. So I I actually did the whole, you know, that drum tech jazz Mm. fusion movement at the same time, if you will, whatever. So, um, so yeah, it was the, the whole exam thing was great. I got an A plus, like it was awesome. Oh, that's cool. Almost one of the best experiences of my life. And, um, that led into my audition for VCA, um, which oh, okay. is kind of cool. So I um, got into VCA in the improv course in 2006. Wow. Um, not really well. I only lasted six months. Oh, really? <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the... Uh, I'm the equivalent of the uh, of the Berkeley dropouts, but for VCA. Um, so why'd you drop out? Okay. So there was a couple of things. Um, so at that point, the improv course was a predominantly still um, a, a, a jazz course, and I got in almost by fluke. I think I played a Pat Metheny tune for you know for my one of my auditions, mm. and Alex Patu, who was the head of um, the course at the time, must have been a Metheny fan because it was clear that I was a heavy metal drummer. I still had that heavy, you know, that heavy tinge, even though I'd mm. gone through the Year Twelve thing and the Jazz Fusion thing. I, I couldn't change who I was. I was still sure. listening. You know, we're a product of what we listen to, so I was still yeah. listening to metal. Anyway, so I kind of fluked the audition um and i think only like four drummers got in that year so it was pretty it was intense. Dude, it's hard to get in like I, I cried when i got in like a you yeah know, it was anyway um so i yeah so i think that was um that that was kind of that process there um i forgot what i was saying oh because uh, i was asking why you left oh that's it yeah yeah um so jazz course heavy metal kind of ish drummer yeah um and then at that point um all the every single um, musician in that course had to take a piano class. It was just part of the curriculum. And, ah. um, yeah. And, uh, me being a drummer, I had like no melodic knowledge. Like, I don't know how I got through year 12 music because I had very basic melodic knowledge. I was yeah, a drummer's man. drummer. I, yeah. I wasn't, I hadn't developed my musical senses by, by that stage. Sure, man. Um, so yeah, anyway, so all that stuff was just like, really, what am I yeah. doing, man? Yeah. So so I get to this piano class, and it was with Andrea Keller, and like, and you know, all these guys had 
you know, that's obviously they play melodic instruments. Even the yeah. drummers that got in had melodic knowledge. So I, I wow. felt really sort of Out isolated. Of element. Yeah. And, um, and it was kind of weird, you know, they were talking, I don't know, about intervals and, you know, basic melody, but then it got a little bit more intense. I was there for six months. So I managed to endure it for a while, but then it started getting to a point where they were talking about, you know, relative pitch and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and, you know, and Andrea would go to me, okay, Christian, you know, what's, what's this note? And I say, Andrea, that's a C for sure. Cause everything sounded like a C to me. Like I had no relative pitch of anything. Yeah. And, um, it sounds a bit harsh to ask of students, I guess now. And they actually, after I left, they actually segmented all the drummers in their own class. So I, I was kind of the catalyst, even though I, I didn't even defer. I actually left. Right. Um, they kind of realized that because I gave my feedback at the time. I yeah, made sure yeah. I did. Um, and they realized that, hey, maybe we should probably cater this course, the piano class, to the drummers a little more. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that was one thing. The other thing I didn't like, and I'm not knocking VCA by any means because it was a great institution. I made a mm. crap load of uh, networks, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't teach you so much what to do with yourself once you'd left. Right. You know, and e- even even within that jazz sort of, you know, um, that jazz style. It was like, you know, they're happy for you to lock yourself in one of their practice rooms for eight hours and practice, but there was never, you know, I was looking at it from a more holistic point of view because I knew this was my life. Like, and, mm. you know, I'm sh- all the other students knew as well, but they didn't cater to that. It was just like, yep, here's the subjects. And it was really hard to even keep a part-time job, mind you, because I was wow. training it in or even driving into the city. Yeah. There'd be, you know, a lecture in the morning and a lecture in the afternoon. And, you know, and they'd just expect you to practice all in that middle bit. Whoa. So it was really... Yeah, it was, it was a little bit... I mean, I'm sure it's better now. By by no means, I, I don't want anyone to sort of just take my... You know, if there's any younger listeners, please don't take my word. It was a great institution. But um, mm, mm. I just felt that they didn't really sort of, yeah, just sort of teach you what to do with yourself once you left. So, mm. you know, no, a, lo- a lot of... I've got a similar experience when I went to Greensboro TAFE. Now it's called sh- Melbourne Polytechnic. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. As a singer, I, I, I do play the guitar, but my guitar knowledge is pretty limited. Sure. Um, And so... Without a melodic instrument, and I was only just learning the guitar at that point. Right. Yeah. I'd already sang, and um, I had to do a keyboard studies class. Yeah. And I failed it. Sure. And I failed that, and I failed theory as well, obviously, because yeah, yeah, I yeah. didn't have a melodic instrument to, you know, work off yep. like everybody else. Yeah. And so um, I had to go back because I had all of my units except for those two units. Sure. So I didn't get my diploma. Yep. 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 So I went back to finish those two. And I was like, <laughs> I think I was working at La Borghetta's, waiting on tables in Greensboro, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. and then just going. I think I spoke about this on the Sam Perry episode a couple of weeks ago, because me and Sam actually went to TAFE together. Right, yep. Um, and, yeah, I would have to go back and just do those two courses. Yeah. You know, like I, one, I know on, someone- say, on a Wednesday afternoon, the other one, like, on a... Friday. I don't know when it yeah. was, but it was, was it easier shit. though? Like, like when you get when you went back, like because well, I was worked- only doing two classes, and I I, I knew I had to f- f- nail it. Yeah. Otherwise, I wasn't. I was going to fail again. Yeah. I wasn't failing again, mate. You yeah, know, no, no, I, no. I made sure I was on top of it. But um, I think just you know the second year because there was a lot more expected of us in second year. Yep. Those two subjects, I just kind of let go because you know I just wasn't I wasn't the best at them. Yeah, know? yeah. Didn't really give them the time they needed. It's funny you mentioned um uh, NMIT. I actually. Like not like this is going to sound really arrogant, but I'll try and say it as normal as possible. I actually got into NMIT and Box Hill as well, and I should yeah. have gone to NMIT because yeah. I felt that was. And maybe you could probably confirm this right now. Mm. It felt like a more of a um, contemporary sort of well-rounded course. Uh, or at no. least it felt like yeah. it was. A, a, it is jazz it? slash popular. Really? So a guy Ooh, okay. like me coming in doing 
pop rock music. Right. I would, I would like, and I'll, I mean, I don't know what it's like now. This was 19, this was 2000. Yeah, yeah, sure, right? sure. But I have a memory of putting together a band to put on one of our performances for right. a Friday afternoon for our assessment. And I, I remember it was a Whitlam song. It was a song called Blow Up the Pokies. Yeah, cool. And it has like a strings in it, saxophone. Uh, you know, like a whole horn section, guitar, yeah. bass, drums, backing vocals, vocals. Gnarly. And so I put together the entire band, yep. um, arranged the piece, put it on, and I just get like a pass. Yeah, wow. And then okay. one one of the saxophone players goes, I see a, you know, like photocopying some charts on the day, giving them to some musos on the day, not even rehearsing, say, oh, uh, yeah, we'll just go A, B, B, A, and I'll solo in this middle, high yeah. distinction. Wow. And yeah. I'm like... Seriously? Yeah. Oh wow. So I, I didn't know that. I thought because this whole time I, I thought mean that I was back then. To... It might have changed now. They maybe. they actually might let the pop rock people actually have a little bit more of a like maybe they'll grade them a little bit fairer. Yeah. But sure. back then it was like, geez, come on, man. Like, wow. What I, are you doing? I had no idea. I'd, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's funny. How people... they were a little bit biased to the jazz thing because it was a jazz slash popular course. Yeah. Right. But the slash was like fucking you know yeah <laughs> a kilometer away it may have been you know <laughs> yeah yeah jazz yeah. slash pop. yeah. Yeah, pop, 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 not much pop. Yeah. So you're doing the well. VCA thing, and then you left, and then what did you do, man? Okay, so um, really, really weird. I went straight into teaching, um, and it was one of those situations where you know the whole after school uh, music establishment kind of teaching job. So it's yep. you know your four thirty to eight thirty sessions, and you know someone took a chance on me, um, an institution um, out in Rosanna. Um, yeah, took a chance on me, and I literally just no experience, obviously, other than the lessons I'd taken. But that's not teaching, so yeah, yeah. totally took a chance on me, and I just started teaching 2006, um, and it yeah started from there doing the after school thing, and I was doing that. I was actually still, I actually got a um, a part time job at Clark Rubber at that oh, point. Yeah. So so I was pulling double duties. I was going like nine to five from Clark Rubber. Um, and then go, or nine to four, um, and then going down to Rosanna and doing the four thirty to nine nine o'clock um, sure. music teaching shift. So that was a little bit gnarly. And then I started teaching at Billy Hyde's um, in Summerton as well. Oh, um, back when there was one yep, there. Yep. So, um, so yeah. So pretty much five days a week I was doing like Just double like 2007, shifts. Two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, Billy Hyde's maybe came oh maybe two thousand seven. Yeah, a little, little later. So yeah, yeah. It was kind of I don't know. Like yeah, people took a chance on me. I don't know why. I still don't know why. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was enough for me to basically get my foot in the door and because I knew. I always knew I wanted to do music. Like, yeah. it was, you know, and the gigs at that point, I was still doing the original thing, so I wasn't making any money. Oh, so Aftershock kind of kept on, even though... Uh, not not Aftershock. So, ah, so, right. So, it's a it's a very spiraling tree of things. Mm. So, I, I joined my real professional band um, at about 18-ish. So, um, not professional, but actual actual original band. That was called PTB, Powers the B. Okay. Um, and, you know, and that was metal as well. Yeah, that was metal. Yeah, and so, you were metal. in that band while you were studying at VCA? Uh, yes, correct. Oh, and that's whoa. Yeah, so you can see how I, I, I always had that, you know, I, yeah, like I always had that heavy sort of backbeat. I still mm. do, you know, like everything I do, weddings and stuff now, but I've always just got that that heavy backbeat. And it's musical now. I've been able to tame it. But yeah, that was that was kind of, yeah, so I was doing PTB. That was kind of cool. And that was that was original tunes. And it's a typical original band. I think you're going to take over the world, you know, we <laughs> almost got... 
band logo tattoos on ourselves. Wow, um, really? Yeah, it was it was gnarly. It you was didn't really get any? no, no, because Do you have any tattoos though? No, I don't. No tattoos. I would love tattoos. Yeah. Um I love tattoos. I think they're amazing, but I don't think I could endure them. You don't think so? No. I don't have any tats either, but I'm afraid that my mum would kill me. Well, funny story about that. Wrong well, parents, can, can, mate. Could I expand on that? Please. <laughs> I um I don't have tats, but I've I've stretched my ears out. I have stretches in my oh, ears. Oh right! And when I got home from that, uh, from doing the first, you know, you're doing an increment, so the first three mil hole that I had in my ears, mum threw me out for a week. So <laughs> you, your mum might have thrown you threw you out if you had got a tat. Same thing. There so. you go, man. <laughs> it's, oh it's crazy. my goodness. Yeah, it's funny. So but, you're um, doing the um the PTB thing yeah. while you're studying, then you left that um, yep, course, still, and you're still doing that band at yep. that time while you're working at um, Billy Hyde's and all that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're still right. doing PDB, and we're just doing a whole bunch of local shows, and yeah. it, it was a lot of fun, man. I learned, I learned a lot in that band um, in terms of, because at that point, I just started to, you know, humbly, if I, you know, my humble opinion, I'd started to develop a bit of a, you know, a bit of musicality, I guess, even sure. though it was still heavy metal, you know, and that's sort of limited, everything's, you know, at 11, but I started to get a bit of an ear for what I liked and I, I sort of started helping arranging the songs a little bit. And So what kind of, like, metal was it? Like, what were the main influences of that band? Uh, it was kind of weird. It's, I don't, it was like... It was like heavy, sort of groovy metal. It was always melodic, though. I've, I've, I've always had. I didn't do the death metal thing till later, so I've always been a melodic kind of guy. Yeah. Um. So it was it was screaming vocals, but like melodic choruses, for example, with the one singer doing dirty and clean ah, okay. vocals and key samples, almost like a mixture of like Linkin Park mixed with Faith No More. It was weird. Like yeah, right. Like we we really enjoyed it. It was really cool. So it did an EP with them. Mm. Um. Yeah, just a whole bunch of shows and whatever. Yeah. And because the metal scene, um. Even the independent Melbourne metal scene is huge. Huge, yep. So when you go to a gig, there's just people there, man. Yeah. So yeah. when you were doing that, like, did you ever play to like small crowds, or were they always just like loads and loads of people? No, it's gotten better. It wasn't like that when I was doing it. At least, at least, you know, in the, in the humble capacity that I was, it was like, you know. I mean, there were some shows where we'd have decent people, but we were we were paying our dues like majorly. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I think the metal movement. You know, I'm not much into metal now. I, I listen to it occasionally, but mm. um, the movement, from what I observe, it's like it's it's gnarly these days, and it's good because it means mm. there's choice for punters. But yeah. it, I don't know. There's there's like way more subgenres now. Okay. Um, but it's so I, I when think you it's cool. back when you were doing it, there wasn't like hundreds of people in the venues. It no, was more, more nah. bit more modest. No, nah, no, nah, not until uh, I joined. Okay. Not until I joined Vanishing Point. That okay. was. Um, I've got a note here when I joined because I forgot that. Uh, 2007. Okay. So so you finished up with the other guys. Yeah. So I, I did PTB for a while. Yeah. Um, and then uh, funny story. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> I gotta laugh at this because it's hilarious. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, it was like, oh god, I, I I'm literally, I haven't thought about this story since it happened. So it's bringing back a lot of memories for so me. So this was when you left PDP, right? So, so the week that I left was the week that we're going to get. I can't say this. going well, where the week that I left was the week we were going to get our matching band tattoos. Like, <laughs> oh so, really? So silly, yeah. But yeah, like yeah. we thought we we're going to take over the world, dude. Like we were, we really believed in our product, yeah. Um, in PTV, and um, it was shortly after we did. I'm, I don't know why I'm laughing. It's it's pretty. No one gets their band tattoos tattooed on them, but we we were a brotherhood, man. Like we were we were tight. No, we, Chili Peppers we, have their own tattoos. I don't right, see anything okay, weird by about it. Yeah, yeah. It's you know for a local band, like we we believed in the product, like so. Yeah, anyway, but um. 
So anyway, I'd done a um, we'd done our I think it might have been an EP launch. Or the, it was back then it was the Hi-Fi Bar, and um, and I was doing drums and death vocals at the time. So Whoa. like you know, and double kicks and everything. A, yeah, yeah, a bit of a bit of a monster. And um, and the guys from the guys from Vanishing Point somehow heard of me and came down to the show. Mm. And literally the week we were going to get our matching tattoos, they poached me and I joined Vanishing Point. I literally left PTV. As, oh, and they whoa. actually went on to get their tattoos, um, so I'm kind of glad that it didn't happen later because I would have had a tattoo on my wrist. Saying and are PTV. they still going? Um, I don't think so. No, I they think, got uh, another drummer though. They got yeah. I, it's kind of it's kind of cool because they got another drummer and they did some stuff in LA. Like it was cool. Like oh, that's wow. what I meant. Like yeah. Like it was not that it was about to break. We weren't that good, but mm. it, it was about to do some stuff. And you know, a few of the guys in the band were resourceful and they they knew how to make things happen. So yeah, wow. You know, worst case if I had stayed, I would have gone to LA and had a tattoo on my wrist. You know, but sure, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So the guys uh, from Vanishing Point poached me, and sort of, um, yeah, that was in a whole nother era. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And so was Vanishing Point like a similar genre? Like, it was it metal as well? No, nah, no. Nah. Oh, yeah, you know, it was metal, but it was um, it was like symphonic melodic metal. So something Whoa. really new for me coming from um, because at that point I'd also actually. Um, at that point, I'd also done. I don't know if I started with Feeder to the Sharks yet. I was freelancing for a like a death sort of metalcore band called Feeder to the Sharks, which is totally feed her to yeah, the sharks. Yeah, feed her to the sharks. Oh god, <laughs> um, that's a good yeah. Name. And that that was um that was gnarly like death metal metalcore. Um, so anyway, I don't know when that happened, but when the VP thing happened, it was a really different for me. Um, because right. it was like all melodic. You know, and it was even verging on power metal. Like there was a lot of the early stuff was, you know, get your dragons and swords out, and oh wow, yeah, 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 it was cool. But like I and my friend was the bass player in that band. Coincidentally, my friend, um, who I actually, my friend who played in my, this is weird. This has all come back to you. I'm so sorry. Just like this is actually really cool for me to relive. Um, happened so long ago. The one of my friends who played in my VCA audition. Um, huh. on bass guitar was the bass guitar in Vanishing Point. So that's how I kind of got the hook up there. Ah, um, so you kind of knew each other already. Yeah, correct. So, um, so yeah, so started with Vanishing Point. Um, yeah, melodic, power metal-y, groovy sort of stuff. And, and did you and, guys do any touring? Yeah, yeah. So that was, um, we're kind of lucky. So that, that's when I started, just going back to your original point yeah. about sort of the metal crowds. That's when I started, like, cause they were, you know, they were a little bit more established. Yeah. Like they, you know, they weren't going to take over the world, but they were a bit more established. So that's when I started playing to hundreds of people. And then we did all the support slots that we were lucky enough to do. Oh, right. And then I started playing to thousands of people and that was fun. That was like, all right, wow. this is like, and I, and then I, and then I actually thought I was going to take over the world, but I didn't. No. Um, no. Yeah, as, as but dude, you played out. to thousands of people. So, what kind yeah. of bands were you supporting? Uh, okay, so it was like Joe Satriani. Um, oh shit! Yeah, um, Halloween, um, Sonata Artica later on. Uh, Iron Maiden, we did, which is kind of cool. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's to date. I get, I get goosebumps just talking about it. To date, that's my favorite thing they've ever done. Um, so did you was, get to kind of meet those guys and yeah, everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh fuck yeah! Oh no, sorry. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Wow. Um, yeah, and I. Um, Excuse my language. Sorry. Um, one of the one night, um, the uh, Nico McGrain's drum tech um, invited me up, and I watched him play the trooper right in front of, like, right at his drum kit. You yes, know, like, yes, on the riser. It, it spun me out, and it was kind of weird because I was twenty one years of age then. Mm. Um, I actually found out we were doing the support on my twenty first birthday. Anyway, and um, so I was kind of like a bit freaked out, but. 
I, I hadn't really gone into the whole melodic thing yet, so I didn't even know who I Maiden were. Mm. So I, I almost felt un, undeserving, like we're doing this huge support act and I hadn't heard their music because yeah, I was still yeah. coming from that, you know, like gnarly death metal kind of thing. And, sure. you know, so I, I was doing a bit of reverse engineering. I was learning on the job, so to speak. But once I heard it, I was like, okay, I totally get it now. And so I, what were the venues that you got to play with Maiden? Like what uh, rooms were they playing? Were yeah, they was, doing like Festival Hall or was no, it Rod no, Laver Arena? Yeah, two nights Rod Laver and one oh. night at... um at uh, Burswood Dome in Perth, and then um, behind Crimson Eyes got the other dates. Um, oh, okay, so yeah. you shared that with a, another group. Yeah, yeah. right. And, and it was kind of cool because, if I remember correctly, um, we were actually the main support. So Steve Harris, the bass player of I Made, and had his daughter's band out with them, uh, Lauren Harris. I don't know huh. if they were under her name or a band name, but they yeah. were actually the opener. So we were the main, like, supporting before the Maiden, and it yeah. freaked me out. So, you know, I don't know, Rod Laver might hold, like, 10,000 before, you know, at in a band capacity. Yeah. We might have been playing to maybe, like, five, th- five 6,000. Like, so... By the know, time, um, you know, you were on, yeah. like, finishing up most, the, most of the crowd would have been there by then. Yeah, so it was... They would have caught, like, you know, maybe half your set or whatever. Correct, yeah. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and we'll, you know, by that stage, you know, we knew all about the whole, you know, support. We've done supports, you know, like, so we weren't expecting much and we got treated amazingly and mm. we got paid, like, I'm not going to say specifics because I probably can't say that, but we yeah, got yeah. thousands per show. Yeah, I'll yeah. just say that. Like, we got treated, we got the full use of their lighting, their sound, like... Everything. It was... And did you sell merch as well? Uh, I can't remember. May- maybe. Actually, I think we did because the one thing we did have to do which a lot of support bands have to do is they we had to sell our merch at the same price as maidens so you know you, yeah 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 so and it happens all the time now like we, i went to see parkway drive um so if you've got a shirt that usually just sell down the pub for 25 bucks you have to sell it for 40 50 dollars yeah 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 it's it's oh uh, because then if they're gonna think oh i can get the support band shirt yes, for 20 bucks correct i'm not correct. gonna buy the iron maiden 50 dollars exactly. shirt yeah yeah, yeah, I just went to see Parkway the other night, and um, at, you know, I think Diada's Murder was supporting, and um, that's and I was not like, yeah, cool, man. They should, they should nah, let you pay it for what nah, it is, man. It's, uh, it's purely business. It's you know, and I get it, you know, but it's um, wow. So I don't think we made like much they money. They really in- <laughs> need the merch money when you're at that level, man. <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. You guys I, do. Yeah, I know exactly. But um, no, that's fair enough. That's really interesting to know, you know, mm. because with the my old band Smokestack, we did a, a thirsty merch support last. year. Year. Yeah, and yeah, cool. that kind of opened my eyes about like, um, uh, obviously a lot smaller scale. We didn't do you know Rod Laver Arena. No, 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 we were, we were no. doing you know like the Gasometer Hotel in Collingwood. And, yeah, sure. You know a place called the York on Lilydale. Yep. So still big, a lot bigger crowds than we would ever pull by ourselves. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, sure. But um, you know, getting to sell our merch at the end of the night. And um, and getting paid a fee, like you said, it's yeah. it, it's kind of like. You know, you don't know what that world is like until you get offered the spot. Correct. Until you actually live with through it. Yeah, exactly. And you go, ah, oh, now it kind of like- Makes sense. Makes sense. Like, oh, okay, this is how that part of the industry works. Yeah, yeah when exactly. It's very different to when you're just putting on your own shows. Correct. And you're setting the price for everything and it's a lot more yep. modest, you know what I mean? Yep. But, exactly. Um, but it's- oh, wow, it, man. Yeah, it's definitely- um, Yeah, the whole um, support band merch price thing is definitely a thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I right? can assure you. Yeah, but um, you know. So yeah. you're doing Vanishing Point, and you're getting to play and support like these massive, massive bands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Were there any like crazy stories on the road that you could tell us, like from that era of, of uh, your playing with yeah, that band? Yeah, because um, the uh, so the following year we done a European tour. So we're 
we were friends, well, they still are friends with um, a European band called Sonata Arctica, mm-hmm. really good friends of ours. And um, and they invited us over to do their European tour, a month on the road through Europe um, also. So we were the opening band, and then there was another uh, band called Pagan's Mind, mm-hmm. um, and, and then Sonata. And um, so we actually did Europe uh, in 2000, the year after. Um, it was full sort of tour bus, like... Borrowing money from your grannies to go over, like it, it was intense, you know. Like it, it wasn't pay to play, but it was a lot of money involved. I know we spent Whoa. a lot of money just to, to get ourselves there. there. Um, yeah, so there was a funny story. It's not, it's not that funny, but I'll just say it because it's the only way. I, I'm a very serious guy. I don't have many. You know, it was like 22 years old touring Europe. What could possibly go wrong? Everything went wrong. Yeah, but, really. Um, oh, it was, it was just new to me, man. Like you know, doing support slots in Melbourne, you know, with your bros is one thing, but doing it in Europe, like in the big, and by that's, I mean, we're only playing three, four thousand seater clubs, but that was. That would, that's the biggest thing I'd ever done apart from. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. Cause like yeah. Maiden was just a one off kind of thing. So I, yeah. I, I don't classify us at that level in terms of, you know, punters, what we were getting to a show. So no. uh, not even in the Sonata thing, but you know, th- two, three, four thousand seater club, sometimes less, sometimes more. Mm. Um, that was like a, a big deal. So being a 22 year old, being on the road with unlimited alcohol, um, unlimited food, cause I've always been a bigger guy, <laughs> like, you know, Shit was real, man. Like, I, I did some stupid shit and I learned a lot of stuff, you know, um, yeah, sort of on the road. But a funny thing, um, I've actually got this written down because I, I need to get the details. Uh, on the way from Hungary to Slovenia, oh. uh, we got stopped for some kind of bus search or custom search. It was something like middle of the night on the side of the road. I don't know if it was a checkpoint or there was something going on. It might have even been a border going into Slovenia. Yeah. And, um, and it, it was, uh, it was the start of winter. It was very, very, very cold, except, you know, being in a tour bus, I was still sleeping in my jocks and a t-shirt. Sorry to be graphic, but, you know, <laughs> no, souls, not that's souls. what most blokes sleep in. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and um, I was one of the last guys to get out, but I just remember someone waking me up in a haste going, you know, because a lot of the band had already done European tours before, but me and the bass player, my mate, Adrian, um, we hadn't. So I got woken up and um in a haste and I I just like oh my god oh my god so I just got my thongs on and I I'm the last one I got out of the bus in my jocks <laughs> a t-shirt and my thongs and it's like it's not that funny but like I was freaking out and yeah, everybody's man. in stitches cuz you know this I was a big guy man I was still like you know over 100 kilos and um still am but I I was over 100 kilos so just just, just imagine this big penguin looking guy coming out the two of us <laughs> with his jocks thongs and like real Aussie you know like yeah, and, yeah. and even the police were just like losing the everybody was yeah, losing yeah. It as well. everybody was in, in stitches like it's not that funny but if you actually imagine it yeah, and it, it, is, it was freezing like it was freezing yeah. so I was like what am I even doing like no time to put a trackie like nothing no nothing anyway and so, so then they go God, it's okay go put some pants on no and then no, come back. no 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 they, they, they were searching looking, the yep, bus searching the bus while you were outside Yep, passport check. It was it was pretty gnarly. So I don't know. It was it's kind of funny, but I actually had to um, I actually went through the tour diary archives to find that one because I knew something funny had happened. But like I said, I really don't have a good memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, I knew something funny had happened, and uh, and I thought I, I want to get to the bottom of it. So I was yeah. looking through. I had it on my Dropbox, and um, it was a tour diary that the guitarists had put together, ah. um, documenting the whole thing, and it was kind of and, and jogged my memory. So I. Literally wrote that down. It's That's cool. a really cool story, um, man. Yeah. Do I have a worse story? I got a worse story if you want to hear it. Dude, <laughs> let me hear I'm, it. I'm being a little bit self-indulgent now, but... No, that's the whole point. I want to hear the stories. <laughs> it's called Art of Touring. Correct. You know, we, we want to hear those touring stories. Correct. Um, okay, so 
uh, in the VP days, we it was always a backing track band because you know symphonic metal. We didn't have symphonic orchestras, so it was always ah. with backing tracks and playback. You know, to click, yes. and all of our extra instrumentation was obviously pre-recorded. And um, when I joined the band, they were using this huge like multi-track playback machine it was a it, like it, it ran off mini discs um, oh really but it was it was almost it was kind of weird i think it had a, a, a three or four outputs so it was enough for us to do like a click track stereo keys and maybe the extra guitar harmonies and somehow it ran all the outputs out i, I don't know exactly how it worked but sure, I, yeah, all yeah, i know yeah. is that i was changing cassettes over i don't think it was mini disc but it was a big sort of cassette like square cassette wow. i don't know yeah so anyway um and then as I developed with the band, because I was in the band for eight years, so it was, wow. yeah, yeah, it was, it was, um, a long slog. Uh, at one point, um, the backstory to that was that my dad had sort of bought me a home studio, a little humble Pro Tools rig. Sure. So I had a 002 and I started delving into all that. And at some stage, um, you know, just being an impressionable muso and seeing what everyone else is doing, I converted the band onto Pro Tools playback, um, just with a MacBook Pro and, a, ah. and, and the Digio, my same Digio 2. Um, so anyway, worst stories is, so we got it into a, a rack system and when, you know, Pro Tools, I do not advise anybody to run Pro Tools live because, you know, unless your machine is truly configured for it. Yes. We were running like a four gigabyte RAM, you know, MacBook, not even a Pro by that. At that stage, just those white MacBooks. So it was oh. not, it was not de- designed for, you for know, what it, Pro Tools you were playback. trying to do it. Yeah. Not at all. So anyway, um, a couple of dates in the European run, um, you know, dealing with Firewire on the road yeah. in rack cases, the port got really loose in the back of the Digio 2 and we had playback dropout issues. So we're playing, we're playing the gig and you know, we've got serious layers on the backing tracks. Like you, you take Ooh. that out. It's not vanishing point. It's, it, yeah. you know, it's not anything against us. We just couldn't hire orchestras and stuff. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, unfortunately a few of the, you know, like it doesn't sound like a big deal, but when you lose that much of your sound, yeah, it, it was intense. So I don't know how we fixed it in the end. We, I don't know. We're just more vigilant. We bought a new firewire, whatever it was. Yeah. But, but there then, were a couple of gigs where it just, and so what did you do? Just obviously kept playing. Yeah, kept playing until the next song, and then I just yanked it out, yanked it back in, did a reset, and so, tried to yeah, um, yeah. So it was that was a bit unfortunate. Oh, yeah, um, and then eventually later on in my time with the band, I just got us onto a mono tracks iPod Touch, just rock solid, bounced everything down. Because the the thing with the Digio too, the reason why we did that is so we could run multiple outs. So run the click out, um, you know, stereo keys, guitar, uh, guitar you know, harmonies um, ah. and vocal harmonies. Like, everything was on there, but it was separate out, so it gave the sound Shit. guy uh, more control. Yeah. Um, so that's and th- that's the only way I knew how to do separate outs at the time. I'm sure there were more, you know, stable versions, but I was still, you know, I didn't still know learning. that much. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so anyway, so later in my time with the band, bounced everything down, click on one side, everything, you know, relatively sort of, you know, mixed into a mono, iPod touch, never had an issue again. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah, anyway, a little funny... You know, it doesn't sound that doesn't sound like such a bad story, but dude, you know, that, yeah. no, it is a very yeah. When like, you got your whole sound on it, it's uh, well. I mean, think about how terrible the guitarist feels when he steps on his lead and he has to take it correct. out, like put it back in, and he's just lost sound. Yeah, imagine that plus a thousand because it's not yeah. just one signal that's getting lost; it's yeah. the entire playback, the, the whole playback. You yeah, know, exactly. I mean, I'm, I mean, I guess a band like um, probably Muse. 
They would do a lot of playback, wouldn't they? Yeah, but they've got redundancy, though, you know? So it's like, so this is what I didn't know. It's like all these, you know, big Turing acts, they're running like dual MacBook Pros in, in sync with each other. Yeah. And I don't... So uh, if I, one of them goes out, the other one picks it up. Correct. I don't know how it works exactly. I, yeah. I know nothing about redundancy plans or because even in the, in the you know... I've, in the bands that are two and now, the, mm. the redundancy is, you know, uh, uh, a MacBook Pro and an iPad. It's not two MacBook Pros running in unison. So I don't know how they do it, but yeah. if they didn't do it, Muse would be in trouble as well. Any mm. of those any of those big bands. So right, anyway, yeah, one of those funny things. And so who do you play with now? Okay, so um, I... Uh, after I think actually during VP I was also playing with a friend of mine's band called Lucy's Crown, which was like a female uh, female fronted sort of grunge alternative band. I think I um, remembered that name in the Beat magazine. Back yeah, in the day. yeah, it was kind of weird because I played with them earlier on in my career as well. I obviously forgot about that, but I rejoined them yeah. um, in 2012, maybe 2011, and um, so I started doing that alongside VP, and that was just helping them out. But I. I, I stuck around for like another, you know, like six years or something. Mm. Um, so I, I did Lucy's Crown. We'd done some uh, did four tours of Japan, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. So I got to experience some Japanese culture. Um, and then they kind of, they had to go into hiatus, unfortunately. The singer, um, Lucy, she got really sick, unfortunately. Oh, it's a funny. horrible thing. But she's beat it. Like she's she's cured, but just, yeah, sort of. And that's, that's just happened in the last two years. So, Whoa. yeah, it was, it was an intense journey for her, but, you know, we're glad to sort of still have her around. Yeah. Um, so, Lucy's Crown, and we've done some cool, we've done two albums, actually, with that with that band that I played on um, mm. with Lindsay Gravina at Birdland Studios. Oh, um, wow. He's done, like, Jet and Living End and, like, a whole bunch of cool cats. <laughs> yeah, Man, you probably... Yeah. That is so crazy that you mentioned that name again, because yeah. um, he's literally the last person that I just worked with, with Smokestack. Our yeah, last right. single was with him. How gnarly is he, but man? Not, he's, he's out of control. <laughs> and um, we we the reason it's so strange that you bring him up is because Sam Parry, um, two weeks ago, the last muso they had I had yeah. on, because last week was a wrestler, so she obviously has never worked with sure, him. Sure, sure, no, no. <laughs> I hope not anyway. <laughs> but Sam, with his band, Frankie Wants Out, had worked with Lindsay at Birdlands as well. Well, yes. Um, except when we worked with Lindsay, we actually worked with him at his new studio in St. Kilda. St. Kilda, yes, yes, yeah, right. Up, he's up like on the top floor of the Jewel, it's called. Yeah. It's like a business building, but he's got the top floor pretty much to himself. Right. So the bass player of Lucy's Crown helped him deck that out. That's Is if you, that want, if you right? want to go even more small world, like crazy yeah. coincidences. Yeah. I heard, I haven't been there. Yeah. Like, is it is it like totally gnarly penthouse it's, vibes? It's, like- it is penthouse vibes, but it's, it, uh, it's not finished. Yet. Ah, right. Okay. Okay. So he's got all his gear up there, but the, sure. the architectural and like all of the the carpent carpentry and everything, it's not done. Right. Oh. So he's got a room that he's using as a drum room, but it's yeah. not like acoustically like really meant for it yet. Yeah. The drum room he had at Burnland was like the, the best pits, drum yeah. room I've ever played in. Nice. The floating floor. Anyway, sorry, a bit of, off a bit of bit of a tangent. No, no, that's cool. That f- he had a floating floor and like, yeah. you, you'll obviously remember, it was like a room within a room and he left No, I've the never doors. been there. Oh, right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah, because you said, yeah, sorry, you said you're at the new studio. Yep. Mm. So Birdland was like two sliding doors of the drum booth open. The room mics were out in the other room. It was just, I don't know like how he did it, but yeah, he's a pulled a great sound. gnarly ass guy. Yeah. So you worked with so. Lindsay with Lindsay's Lucy's Crown. Is that Lucy's right? Lucy's Crown. Yeah, yeah. Two yeah, albums with him. Cool. Um, and they they'd actually done three albums with him, but with the previous drummer. So two albums with him. 
Um, and yeah, anyway, so they had to take a hiatus. And then by that stage, I started doing the whole, um, like everyone does at some point, um, I started doing cover band work. Yeah, cool, uh, I man. sold my soul to the devil. I was like, man. And it was kind of, it wasn't intentional. Um, I, oh, like it was six years ago I started. So, I don't know, whatever, 2018 minus six years. I'm not very good at maths. But I started just help by helping out a friend. I had a sure. friend of mine who was a mutual friend, um, and he needed a drummer for one of his residencies at the Swan, you know, the Dirty Swan in Richmond. Yeah, man. And um, so I learned like 40 songs, you know, three sets, and, and I went down and did it, and I never left. Um, <laughs> and that's, you know, so it's like, yeah, that's, filling in and- that's what my career has come to. But it's not. Nah, it's 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 cool. So, yeah, I basically, so you're still there now? No, 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 no. <laughs> no luckily, oh. I've, I've moved on from that. But basically, um, you know, in terms of who I'm playing with now, um, I'm predominantly a freelancer. We're just doing weddings, corporates, yep. um, funerals, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, not really. Sorry, just trying to be funny. It didn't work. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I'm I was like, trying to see how, if I could catch you out. But- how would a drummer be playing <laughs> a funeral? I'm so it sorry. Wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise that's me, That's what I mean. Man. I'm a, I'm a serious guy. My jokes suck, but um, dude, but some yeah. some funerals are wild, dude. Oh, it's I've, you know? actually I heard I heard a different podcast uh, interviewing a funeral director, really, and she had some funny stories. But anyway, um, yeah. So the covers thing, I actually play um, in an ABBA tribute band of all things. Um, Bjorn again, sort of, yeah, just to sort of do you know, come full circle, not even full circle, but how long um, have you been playing with the Bjorn again guys? Uh, about three years. And are you like the drummer, or do they have yeah. a, like a, a rotating roster of dudes? No, no, I'm I'm the drummer. You're the guy. I don't do the overseas stuff just because I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a um a drum teacher. You know, I got a department job three days yeah. a week, and yeah. I own a performing arts academy, so I, I it's too hard for me to go and do you know interstate runs. Uh, sorry, sorry, inter uh, overseas runs. But yeah, yeah. I, all the all the touring in Australia, I do all that. Wow. So yeah, it's a bit of it's it's kind of fun because if you had told me, you know the heavy metal Christian, if you had told me, um, you know, you'd be playing in an ABBA tribute band, I would have told you to, you know, go away politely <laughs> to, you know, to use polite language. Um, but it's fun because it's actually a rock show. It's it's a rock parody show. So not only is it a, a joke, they're taking the piss. They they even speak in Swedish accents. Yeah, man. Um, but it's, it's, it's... And so it's, you've got the full costume and everything? Uh, I've got a, I've got a costume, not a, like a tight jumpsuit or anything because that would be creepy. Um, <laughs> you know, just, uh, but you're just, just a satin top and whatever, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's um, yeah, I, I would have told you you were crazy, but I'm doing it, and it's 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 a rock show, so it's it's yeah, he- it's man. heavy hitting, like it's it's intense. Even the, the guy, ballads, what's yeah. what's the guy that runs the the band? What's uh, his name? John Tyrrell runs the music group. John Tyrrell, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. So he, I oh, for some some reason he wanted to start up a cover band, separate to. Beyond again, yeah, yeah. This was like about ten now. years. He's he's got a whole bunch. Yeah, yeah. There so you go. Yep. So this was like ten, maybe twelve years ago. Yep. He wanted. This is when he first wanted to start it up, and um, I don't know how my name got pulled in because, like, I do the covers thing. I've sure, done sure. the covers thing since I was yeah. twenty-one. Yep, yep. And so my name got pulled out of the hat, and I went along to an audition. I didn't get it, sure. but um, my lady even auditioned for Beyond again at one point. Yeah, right. Um, because she's a singer, and um, oh, she cool. she didn't get the gig, but it was a really cool experience to um, kind of work with those musos and hear them yeah, how yeah, yeah. serious. Because man, Beyond again, man, like that band, they are. Are, um, like monster musos, hey? And yeah. is it still the same lineup from back then, or do um, you know if it's changed? Yeah, predominantly. Yeah, the the two guys have been in it um, for about fifteen years. Yeah, been the same dudes. Um, and, yeah. yeah, and um, I think yeah, what one of the female singers um, 
may I don't know, maybe five, six, I don't know, not not How as long. long. Been with and, um, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. The, um, uh, Helen, um, yeah, quite long as well. And like, and they, so John still has like it. the cover band thing as well. Like he doesn't just do Bjorn again. He's nah, got other bands going yeah, as well. Got, he's got about four or five different bands. Um, so yeah. like, it's a it's a full sort of um, like entertainment. En- en- yeah, it's an sweet entity. entity. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, very much so. But um, yeah. and I, I work with all these other bands as well. Yeah, um, you know when I'm not with Bjorn again, but yeah. So it's so did it's you just do Bjorn again show on the weekend? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah where yeah. was that? Oh, just in Adelaide. Um, yeah, and then last weekend we had a we had a we had a gnarly run last weekend. It was four shows in rural New South Wales. So that Whoa. was that was pretty. And it like it doesn't sound like a lot, but we're playing like full two hour, like an hour one like two sets with a twenty minute inter- intermission, mm. one hour each, and you know. The, the driving, you know, and anybody who tours and yourself, you know, you, you'll know, even though it's covers, we're very much invested in the show. It's, you know, yeah. man, I've got battle scars on my, I've been cutting my fingers open lately, hitting yeah. symbols the wrong way and so I many gigs. My finger. Yeah, it's, it's, it's intense. Like it's, you know, but it's fun. I, I, I love it. It's mm. really, really cool. Um, <laughs> well, we are kind of finishing up here, Christian, mm. but yeah, before totally. we do, um, I like to play some music of the artist, um, that, uh, I interview and I actually play the music before we sure. hear the interview so we kind of look, have a little bit of context yeah. so yeah, would there be like a song of yours like um, uh, from you know Lucy's Crown or Vanishing Point or even you know Powers of Be that you would like us to play and, and for the yeah. punters to listen to yeah definitely a Vanishing Point Vanishing song. Point it's, it's yeah. still the thing that I'm most proud about even yeah. though I you know I don't play that music anymore mm. um what was the song that you'd like us to play um i have to have a think about it probably uh when truth lies when I, truth lies okay. yeah only because we uh we shot an actual film clip for it and it was yeah it was one of the coolest things i've, I've ever done and okay like i said i don't mean to sound so nostalgic but like i i love that band like yeah like so much and it was just it, i my time with that band was premature like i i could mm. i had another eight years in me i could have still been there so mm. um yeah i don't mean to sort of sound like i should have could have would have like a you yeah, know yeah. bit of a party pooper but yeah I, well I won't play I the whole thing no, but no, I'll, it'll yeah. be a little preview so yeah, people sure, sure, who sure. like it course, then they course. can go and uh, you know, yeah yeah listen to the whole Absolutely. thing or there's still a great band or... man it's yeah you know, we've we've sort of you know there's still there's still one thing one member that obviously don't get along with but the rest of the guys are still there and yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm sure yeah. some people would enjoy them yeah oh that's good awesome. um and how can people get in contact with you if they do want to you know use your services if they've got you know like a gig they need a drummer or or whatever because you said like you know you're not doing the original thing anymore but sure. do you have a page like an Instagram account or something that you can kind of send people to yeah yeah so um the main the main page is just my website um www.christiannativo.com oh, okay perfect um, and then Insta yeah just Insta, just search for Christian, Christian Nativo. Nativo. Yeah, it's kind of weird because it's like there's it. My Christian ends in in with an N, and then Nativo starts with an N. Oh, it's so just a double N. <laughs> it, it, it looks like it makes you go a bit cross-eyed, but there is a double N there. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Instagram, Facebook, whatever. It's all um, that stuff. Ha- happy to work with new people. All I, I love working with. You know, like my my new thing is just working with guys and you know, yeah. genuine relationships. Like I said before, yeah, if people yeah. are genuine and you know they're they're good at what they do. I'm all over it. It's not, yeah, you know, like cool, I've man. got jobs that earn my money and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, I'd lo- I love new opportunities. So, yeah, if anyone wants to hang out, whatever. Yeah, good. that's the way to contact you. Yep. Awesome. Oh, well, thanks, Christian. That was really great to talk to you, man. Great to meet you as well. Likewise. Thank um, you very much. I'm sure it's not going to be the last time, dude. No, uh, yeah. We've got a lot of things in common. We only live around the corner, man. So, <laughs> correct, yeah. Correct. And um, we'll, uh, yeah, I'll, we'll throw up all those links um, to, um, to to your socials. Yeah, cool, And, um, yeah, great chatting with you, dude. Thank you, bro. Thank good you. on you, man. Cool, man. See you later. Ciao.
And that's a wrap, Sizzlers. Episode 33 completed. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode, give the podcast a share on social media. Use the hashtag Art of Turing Podcast on Instagram and give us a follow at Art of Turing. If you'd like to get in contact with me, please email me directly at artofturingpodcast at gmail.com. Maybe you'd like to come on the show. If you're a muso, hit me up. Uh, you know, performer, juggler, wrestler, anything in the uh, realm that means you have to leave your house for an extended period of time in the creative pursuit, please email me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Or, of course, send me a message on the Insta. Uh, You can listen to Art of Turing on Wooshka, and you can download it on iTunes. If you have enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to give the podcast a rating within the podcast app on your phone and write a short review. And stick around for next week's episode. I release them every week uh, for free. So, uh, you know, hit that subscribe button and I'll, he- I'll, I'll hear from you, see from, see from you. I'll do something with you with your headphones next week. Uh, tune in next week for my interview with Sarah Jones and her band. Let's get into some plugs right about now. The theme music for Art of Turing is a song called Start a Fire by The Passouts, which is available to stream on Spotify or download on iTunes. You can grab the whole album by The Passouts on all digital platforms, and you can grab a physical copy of it on either CD or glorious coloured vinyl or regular coloured vinyl. Uh, go to thepassouts.bandcamp.com where you can get all your merchandise, including T-shirts, stickers, posters, and even skateboards. That's all from me this week. Before I go, I have a few shout-outs. Shout-out to my uh, amazing artist who created the artwork for the show. His name is Chris Wall. Check him out on Instagram at Mr. Wall, spelt W-A-H-L. Big thanks to my guest this week, Christian Nativo. Great chatting with you, Christian. Uh, and that's about it for me this week. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time for another episode of Art of Turing with the Sis Dog. Ow, ow, ow! Remember, this week's podcast was brought to you by Dad's Garage, where the toolbox is always open. And if you borrow a spanner, you'll know, because he's outlined it in the spot on the wall in Sharpie on the mounting board. Old school style. Dad's Garage, baby. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I've been listening to podcasts not since they were around, because they've been around for years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. But I've been, listen- I've been an avid listener of podcasts for about... I say solidly for about. Oh, when when did punk? So I I remember exi- it was exactly when CM Punk, who's a wrestler, okay, did a podcast because he left the wrestling and about twelve months la- and he didn't talk to any media outlets uh, at right. all. It was it a complete own- mystery, yeah, sure, as sure. to where the fuck this guy went. Sure, sure, sure. And then he just. I was taking an extra because I'm a teacher. Yeah, yeah. And one of the kids knew I was a wrestling fan, and he goes, "Hey, sir, did you did you hear the CM Punk? He's done an interview." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "He's done a podcast with Colt Cabana on yeah, his right. an interview." And I was like, "Oh, so it wasn't his own part? He was just a guest on a he was podcast. a guest on yeah. Colt Cabana's podcast, gotcha, and gotcha. the reason he chose him is because he's their old mates." Sure, sure. Yeah. 
He gave me the exclusive. Exactly, he gave me the exclusive. Yeah, and right. the podcast went for like an hour and like 52 minutes. Like it's a crazy long that's, podcast. That's long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they were like, so we're going to do one next week. And if there's anything we missed or any questions that anyone has, we're going to open up a Google Gmail account just for this thing. Sure. It broke down within <laughs> like, because this guy was the biggest wrestler on the planet, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And so since then, um, I, I listened a lot to his podcast and then I just got into a lot of like interview style podcasts. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Marin, I like him cause he interviews a lot of like comedians and musicians and actors and all that. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah. and as far as like storytelling podcasts, I don't mind, um, this American life. It's more okay. of a journalistic kind of style yeah, where they'll right. like pick a topic each week and they'll, just talk about that topic and they'll like tell yeah. stories about that topic. I'm, I'm genuinely interested in that because I've actually started listening to them like just, but it's a bit more now. It's just all the drumming ones for now because I'm just, you know, baby steps, but mm. it keeps me awake driving home from gigs at night, man. Or like, yeah. like now we've got a lot of shows now with, um, um, with the tribute band that I play in. So we're doing a lot of, a lot of regional stuff. So just in the back of the van, I'm just like, there's nothing to fucking do. I, yeah. I yeah. Easy. It's a really good medium so, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, and it's, it's freaking me out because I was never the, like, I was never a, you know, not that it's like reading books, but I was never a book reader to start with. And yeah. then it's, you know, I just thought, can I really handle just people talking like, but because it's engaging to what I enjoy. What like, you, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I just chuck it on, I just chuck it on at home. Because I, I used to, I used to throw on like talkback radio going home from gigs and that started okay, but then it started to bore me because it's like nothing, nothing that I was interested into. in. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I've just, yeah, last maybe three months I've realized podcasts like, what, what are these? It's yeah, like they're cool. It's a big anyway, world, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool for me anyway. No, that's cool, man.